ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. and welcome back to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Yesterday at the shop was a first. I'm recording this on Sunday. It's on Mother's Day. Yesterday on Saturday was a, the first time since I've been open that I had $0 of sales for the entire day. And it was a little bit disappointing, but it's the first day we had some great weather after about a week straight of cold rain and I think people were itching to get outside so the traffic in the shop was super slow but that doesn't mean that I didn't make some money and I say that because when you have some of these times when if you're doing shows there's going to be some shows that are really bad but there's still opportunity to make money during those shows and that comes from buying and so while I didn't have any sales yesterday at the shop I was able to pick up a nice little bundle that'll be a good eBay bundle for me uh, that should be fairly profitable. And I did get to make a couple connections of people who are going to be bringing in collections for me to take a look at here over the next week or so. And so even when there's a slow sales day, that doesn't mean that there's not opportunity to make some money when you look at this from the big picture from the long game. And that's what I'm what I'm hoping to do here. So yeah, a little disappointing day from a sales perspective should still end up being a, a profitable experience due to the purchases I made and some of the connections that I made, which should pay off into the future. So I thought I'd share a little bit about how, how my day yesterday was at the shop. But our main topic today is another collector conversation. And today I'm going to bring on Carl Kewen. And I'm going to tell the story about Carl, how we met and, and why we're having this conversation. But it all revolves around his collection of PSA 8 Gary Carter cards, which used to be his and are now ultimately mine. But I wanted to bring him on to tell the story and get a little background about why Gary Carter, why PSA 8s, why he put this collection together. And so that's what we're going to do today after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by Collectors for Collectors. It breaks new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can check them out at udogcollect.com to see what they're going to be breaking this week. Or you can go visit them in their brick and mortar store in Knoxville, Tennessee to see their full selection of singles, wax, supplies you can even watch them break live in the shop and if you do hit something big or something really nice in that break you can have them submit it to sgc for you because they are an approved group submitter with sgc so check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them wax pack hero sent you well a few weeks ago i saw a post on twitter with a lot of gary carter cards it was the full run of his top space cards and the unique thing about this lot was that they were all psa 8s I decided to jump on it and I went ahead and picked them up and I was interested in hearing the story about how they came together 
So I reached out to see if the original owner would want to come onto the show and have a chat. Well, today I'm joined by the man who put that collection together, Carl Kuhn. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Now, this is a pretty cool Carter collection. What was the inspiration for you putting that together? Yeah, I think in order for me to tell the story about that project, I need to talk a little bit about um, my sort of hobby related uh, activities to begin with. So like so many people, I, I uh, was collecting cards in the early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And when I went to college, like a lot of folks, I stopped collecting. And then in 2017, I was going through some issues of depression, struggled with depression uh, since my early 20s. And I was, I was speaking with uh, my, my therapist and um, he had asked me, if I had any hobbies to help as, as an outlet. And the problem is I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor in a church and my hobby used to be to read works of theology before I became a pastor. And then I became a pastor and my hobby became my job. Sure. And so I told my therapist that he laughed and said, no, you need a, an actual hobby, an outlet. And I told him I really didn't have one. I looked at folks around me that did uh, certain things for hobbies or my dad who made, uh, who did woodworking for a hobby. And I just couldn't think of a hobby. And so he asked me, did you ever have a hobby? Uh, and when I told him I, I used to collect baseball cards, he said, well, why don't you do that again? I said, well, because that's sort of like what kids do. And he's like, well, who said that? And I was like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a good point. I mean, I remember when I was a, a, in high school collecting that I'd go to card shows and see plenty of adults. And I guess I just never made the connection. So I started to research what it meant to collect cards again, because the hobby had changed so much and, and how people collected. And, and what the first things I knew is I wanted to, to sort of try to focus a collection as I would listen to other podcasts, or I would read blog posts about collecting. Uh, there was always a strong emphasis on focusing the, your collection, because it was way too much to collect, as I've heard a lot of people say. And as a, a long-suffering, diehard Mets fan, uh, I knew that I would want to focus on collecting uh, Mets players. And so that led me to think about individual Mets players that really impacted me. And uh, I was born in 1976. So obviously the first thing that most thing people will think about is 1986. Uh, if not the greatest, one of the greatest baseball teams ever. And uh, I remember that year um, we had moved from a small town in upstate New York to Syracuse and when we moved, it was just my mom and I, because my dad was still working back to where we had moved from. And we made a habit of every night watching the Mets games. Uh, I remember Tim McCarver, Fran Healy, or sort of the voices that sort of stick out from uh, Bob Murphy on the radio. And one of my favorite players was Gary Carter. Um, and I think the reason for that was my mom loved Gary Carter. She grew up a diehard Yankees fan, was a huge Mickey Mantle fan, but for some reason she started to gravitate towards the Mets when I was uh, nine years old. Uh, and the Mets end up winning game six on the eve of my 10th birthday. And that summer we had made a trip to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I wanted to have a, a Mets jersey to wear. Well, we were poor, so, so we couldn't afford a jersey. So I, my mom helped me make a Gary Carter jersey out of an undershirt with markers. And the number eight, you know, the big number eight sticking on the back. And so we'd go to Cooperstown. And then fast forward to game six, 
uh, and Gary Carter plays an instrumental role in the comeback. And that night, my mom says, well, let's celebrate. She says, go to the refrigerator and get a can of soda or a piece of cake. And as I open it up, there's a, a Mets Gary Carter jersey. Um, and so there's this connection with my mom who died uh, about 11 years ago um, and the Mets and my hobby is from my childhood. And so I really focused on wanting to collect Gary Carter. So I wanted, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something that that number eight was ended up being the number I wore in Little League. It was the number that I wore uh, in high school when I played baseball. And, and so obviously, as I was collecting in the early 90s, grading wasn't a thing. Fast forward to 2017, grading is the thing. And I said, well, how cool would it be to try to collect all of Gary Carter's tops base cards in a PSA 8 to obviously symbolize that great number? And my thought was that I would get all of them and then put them into a, a, a wall hanging in a number eight. And so that's, that's sort of why I started the project. That's cool. And it's interesting that you latched on to Carter that quickly, right? Because he had, yeah. he had only joined the Mets in 85, right? Partway through the season or um, partway through 85 there. And so with, with just that first couple of years, you were, you were latching on to him as, as a fan favorite. Um, even to the point that it got your your mom to switch from being a Yankee fan to a Mets fan. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, I was wondering when your interest in Carter started, but but that makes a lot of sense. Coincidentally, '86 was the year that I started collecting cards, and so that '86 World Series was one of the first ones that I ever paid attention to closely. And so, yeah, that that team um, and that back and forth with the Red Sox are that that also has a special place in my heart because I remember even though I'm a Cubs fan, I was watching that world series like a Hawk, you know? And so that team was a, was a great team. So when you got started, you decided to do eights with the, the tie in with the Jersey number. That's, that's fantastic. How long did it take you to assemble it? So I started pretty soon after I returned the hobby in 2017 and to be honest with you, it, the first, so let's say his rookie card through 1983 were pretty easy to get. Either um, I just happened to be looking at the right time or the population was was good. It was after 83 that it started to get to be a little more work. So I would have to put on notifications, obviously on eBay for any times Top Scary Carter PSA came up. And nine out of 10 times, it was his rookie card or a card from within the first two or three years. And, and interestingly enough, the, the rookie card isn't my favorite out of the PSA 8s. It's his second year with the Gold Cup card. Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously, it's his first card by himself. It's just a pretty iconic look with that blue uh, Expos uniform. And, and you know, what do we know about Gary Carter? They call him the kid and that he always smiles. And he's got that Gary Carter smile. And he does in a lot of his cards. But um, so when I get to like 1984, it starts to get to be a little more difficult. And I don't know if that's because people start not trying to get his cards graded as much. And I'll say more about the difficulty of it, because as you know, I was only able to get up to about 1990 or 89. I think. 89 was the last one there. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. Once I get to 84, some time had passed. I wasn't able to do it in order, obviously. The Mets ones are actually were harder to find. And I think that's for two reasons. One, probably less people are submitting junk wax era cards. Right. Um, and also 
people are most likely not sending in things that they think aren't going to be a nine or a 10. And so I just was having a hard time finding those. In fact, some of the cards, as you know, Mike, I ended up getting Tiffany because they were easier to find. And, and in fact, they might've been the only ones I could find. And I also liked the project because it wasn't really expensive. I'm a pastor. I don't have a lot of disposable income. And so then fast forward to, uh, I probably have not bought a new one in close to a year, just because nothing has popped that I needed. So once I got to 89, 1990, I've never seen one. Okay. I started looking at pop reports. If you look at 1990, 91, 92, 93, they're all under 12 copies of, of an eight. Now there might be 60 of a 10. Right. So, you know, like you said, most people aren't sending in 1991 Topps Gary Carter base card to get graded, hoping to get an eight. Um, and so, and one, when I sort of realized that I needed to sell was twofold. One, just financial situation at home. And I thought, you know, what's something that I could get some, some cash for that would uh, help cut into. So we live in East Texas. And uh, as a lot of people may have remembered from last winter, there was a major snowstorm in East Texas and it debilitated the state because we're not on the national grid. And so we needed to get a, uh, a generator. Mm -hmm. well, we put the order in for this generator 10 months ago and didn't get it until last week. And they're like, okay, $10,000 needed next week. So that's was the impetus for needing to sell. But also the other impetus was it was starting to get more expensive than I was comfortable with. And this is going to sound silly because it's not a lot of money, but it's relative, right? A 1992 base card PSA popped on eBay a month ago and sold for like 45 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, geez, like, that's almost what I paid for the, the rookie card when I bought the rookie card. As they say, now mind you, the rookie card has gone up quite a bit in the last year or so. But I was like, this is starting to get to be, if they ever pop, like in 1992 tops or was it 93, there's only two in PSC's pop report. And I'm like, so what are the chances that that's going to pop and what's it going to cost? And at that point, has the project sort of become more laborious than enjoyable. Yeah. I, when I got it, I went ahead and I set up an alert on eBay too, to try to, you know, let me know anytime an eight comes up and yeah, every day there's the seventies yep. cards coming up, you know, that every day there's new alerts, but there's been a handful of the late eighties and, and, you know, 90, 91, but they're, they haven't been tops yet. They've been upper deck or, you know, Don Russ or some insert or some, you know, some other card like that, that that's a little more unique than the standard base card. And that kind of led me to one of the other questions that I had as you were putting it together. Had you can, the ones that, that we've got here, they're all of the standard base card, you know, mm -hmm. and so had you considered adding on any of the all-star cards or any of those other subset cards, or just to kind of keep it somewhat contained, were you intentionally only going after the main kind of standard issue base cards. Yeah. So in terms of my Gary Carter PC, I go after everything. Okay. Um, I have the complete run obviously of tops, clear score in non-graded mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and so I go after all the inserts for, for that PC, but in terms of graded, um, I just knew that where would you draw the line? You know what I mean? Like, would you yep. say all-star cards? Would it be glossy? Would it be minis? Would it be upper deck? Would it be Fleer? Would it be, uh, you know, mother's cookies? Like, at what point? So I thought, you know what? 
and as I, maybe I changed along the way as I was starting to notice the difficulty of trying to find some of these, you know, there's a million, if not more, of 1991 Topps Gary Carter, but there's 12 PSA 8s. So I just, I, I think that's why I wanted to keep the focus limited. Um, I just knew that I would end up in a project that would never have an end. And so again, I'm going to tie this sort of to, to faith in my job. As a pastor, I have very little things that are ever completed. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife jokes with me that one of the reasons I love mowing the lawn is it's something that when I'm done, I can say it's finished. Mm-hmm. And I think this project was something that I was hoping would be something could be a completion of something. Mm-hmm. And it would be base cards that he, you know, listen, he retires in the early 90s. There wasn't going to be new tops base cards. Um, so, yeah, it was that idea of wanting to complete something. Did any of these cards get submitted by you or did you buy them all after the already graded? They were all already graded just because um, I just don't trust my eye. That seems like such a challenge to say I, this, this can't be too good because <laughs> I don't want a nine or a 10, but I also don't want a six or a seven. And so, yeah, that that would seem almost an impossible task to be able to submit something that you think is going to be an eight. It would almost be like some, I think when there are certain times before it was crazy and there's all kinds of business potentially turning in 20 cards and saying only grade the eight, please. If it's not going to be an eight, don't grade it. But if one of these is going to be an eight, that's the one I want you to grade. Could you, could you imagine I'm sitting at home with like a 1991 tops Gary Carter base card. I'm like, listen, I think this is a 10. So I got to rough up the corner a little bit <laughs> before I send it in, but not too bad. It makes me think of, uh, there's this great uh, Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. And when he was a kid, he was so precocious and so smart. His father challenged him. Now, mind you, this is the 19th century. He says, I don't want you to get the best grade in your class. That's too easy. You can't even be the second best. I want you to be the third best student. He's like, that takes real creativity and conniving. And so in a way, that's sort of how it is when trying to collect a PSA 8 of Gary Carter. Yep. Can't be too good, but it can't be too bad either. So tell me a little bit about the rest of your collection. You know, you've, you're, you, grew, you said you grew up in New York. You now live in Texas. You're still a Mets fan. Yeah. Tell me about some of the other Mets that, that you collect for your PC. Yeah, so I would say... I try to collect uh, rookie cards of, of my favorite Mets, a couple of other little projects that I've got going on. You know, like so many of us have all these little projects. I try to get the Hall of Famers that have played at them on the Mets at some point, one of their tops cards. doesn't need to be their rookie, but when they're in a Mets uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I just got recently was uh, 73 uh, Willie Mays. I mean, this thing is beat to you know what. And it's still costing me 35 bucks. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. Like, I would look at stuff that was graded five or six. I'm like, I couldn't even afford that. So, you know, I'm looking up now on my wall. You have a great Duke Snyder, uh, Richie Ashburn, obviously, uh, Seaver. So, um, uh, Warren Spahn, which is one that people never can think of him being on the Mets. Uh, so that's something. And for current Mets, uh, I really started collecting Pete Alonzo right away because just was attracted to him as a player. And the first card uh, that I sort of, even though I returned to the hobby in 2017, the first card that I really remember buying, there's two cards, was 
Alonzo's heritage rookie, mm -hmm. the design and it just popped to me. And then um, when I was a kid, I could never afford an 83 tops traded Daryl strawberry. And so I have one of those sitting in some generic uh, graded uh, case. And um, so in terms of Alonzo, I have a three-year-old daughter and uh, her favorite player, if you can imagine, is Pete Alonzo. And so we'll be watching baseball together and she'll say, who is that, Pete Alonzo? Now, mind you, it might be uh, the bullpen coach. So she thinks everyone's Pete Alonzo. But if you ask her who her favorite player is, it's Pete Alonzo. And so the reason I sort of connected to him was to be able to share something with my daughter, her player that we could watch. Plus, I just love the way he plays the game. I love his attitude. Uh, probably have three or 400 uh, unique Alonzos. Uh, and sort of the pride of my collection um, is, so they gave away his uh, rookie card from at the, um, at the National. Uh, it was the 86 design uh, in 2019 uh, that he's autographed and there's only 50 of it. Um, and so you can imagine why I love that card based on what I've told you about the 86 Mets. It's the exact same one I got. Yep, that is sort of like my pride and joy. 86 Mets, my favorite player. It's the only autograph I have of his. It's the connection with my daughter. So that's probably right now the prize of my collection. Yeah, I was at the Tops uh, Q&A where they gave those out. And so I was fortunate to be able to, to get one of those at that national. It was, it was pretty cool. Has, have you found it easier to find Mets cards that you're interested in? Not, you know, being there in Texas, not necessarily in a Mets hotspot, or sometimes that can make it more difficult because no one puts them out. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, so where we are in East Texas, I mean, we're about two hours from Houston, and even the card shops in Houston, like it's all Astros. Uh, if I go two and a half hours uh, northeast or west to Dallas, it's all Rangers. And so in some ways, it's actually harder. Um, and again, I kind of see New York baseball teams and players, and this you'll probably relate to this with the Cubs, they can have a national fan base. And so the prices can still be a little bit higher, even if, so if he was playing for the Twins, I could find Alonzo cards, no problem. But even now, like, right, like some of his stuff, insert cards are pretty expensive for me. So, yeah, it, I wish I wish it got easier in East Texas. It did not. Now, the positive of being here is no games are blacked out. 162 games and have no problem. Have you found a card community in, in your area, too, of, of other local collectors? Or have you been kind of having to do this on your own? Yeah, it's been on my own. But, you know, I've made a lot of great contacts and uh, connections over Twitter, listen to podcasts. I have a couple of buddies that are diehard baseball fans. And so they may not collect cards, but they love to talk about them and see them. Uh, so that's great. We have some younger guys in our church who actually play baseball. And um, that's one of the ways I can connect with them. But yeah, unfortunately, there is the closest shop. And I mean, with anything is an hour and a half. And that guy is so isolated, he can have whatever price he wants because he knows there's no competition. It's interesting how that can happen sometimes. You, you wouldn't necessarily always think that was going to be the case, but it's, it's interesting how that's the way that things play out um, from time to time. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and telling a little bit about, about the collection. Um, I am going to try my best to be a good steward of it. Like I said, I've got the alert set up on, yeah. on eBay. So hopefully at some point I'll be able to, to continue that on and get the 90, 91, 92 card 
and the, the traded cards, I guess there's a couple traded ones in there too, from his last couple seasons uh, to kind of continue that run going before we go today. If people want to connect with you um, on Twitter, I know you mentioned Twitter. That's where we first got connected. I know you mentioned that's where one of the places that you connect, where can people find you if they kind of want to follow along with your collecting journey? Yeah. So I'm at Mets Rev on Twitter. Uh, so it's capital M E T S capital R E V. Um, and that's where I do most of my stuff with cards. I'm on Instagram too, as Rev Mets collector. Uh, and so we'd love to, to connect. Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave game room is the perfect place to throw a rip party, bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sports card shop or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports and the hobby around the world. Well, I hope you enjoyed that story. I really appreciate how Carl explained that that Gary Carter and this collection was a combination of childhood memories the the memories of his mother and the time that he spent watching the Mets with her a passion and an outlet to help with some of the the mental health struggles that he was going through and they all came together in this PSA 8 Gary Carter collection so I, I hope you enjoyed hearing that I hope maybe that was even an inspiration for you to to pick up a project that's similar or, or give you an idea for an outlet that you can use if you're struggling with those types of issues as well. I really appreciate Carl's openness and him coming on to the show to talk a little bit about that today. Well, let me know what you think. Let me know if that was an inspiration for you. If you enjoyed hearing stories like that, reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. Send me an email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com. Follow me on TikTok or Instagram at WaxPackHero. I'd love to connect with you and hear your story of your collecting journey as well. Well, that is all I have for you today, so I'll catch you next time.